Good morning, Adventure family. Great to be with you here this morning. Scott Matthews, one of the pastors, thrilled to continue our series on Unstoppable Mission, the church in action from Acts today, chapter 5 and 6. Just thrilled to continue this series. Before I do, would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity, this moment to hear from you. Lord Jesus, please strengthen our political leaders, help them do the right thing. Lord Jesus, strengthen our churches, help them do the right thing. Lord, please speak to our moms and dads and grandparents today through your words so we will continue to honor you in Jesus' name, amen. What a season we're in. I like what one of my friends said last week. As soon as these fires are over in Northern California, no doubt we're going to start having earthquakes. Hopefully not. But the idea is that things are challenging, and during a season like this, unity is critical. And today we're going to talk about unstoppable unity. When I think about unity, I think about football team members. Football team members. This uh, Intercom Tiger rawr, jersey comes from one of my sons, Jackson Matthews. And the truth about football team membership is unique and yet comparable to the membership we have in the body of Christ, the unity we have in this regard. When you're on the team, you're on the team. We don't kick you off the team. In fact, one of our football coaches who's here with me right now confirmed that even at the college level, at some levels, you can have up to 100, 120 players on a team. You can't start them all, but you can use them all and maximize your ability as a team. You don't say to a team member, well, you're not good enough. I don't like you. So let's get you off the team. In fact, I want to ask what iconic high school football movie does the following quote come from? Post your, your guess in our comments. Again, here's the trivia question. What iconic high school football movie does the following quote come from? It's one of my favorite actors. He says this. He says, boys, I don't expect you to all like each other, but you will respect one another. And, and maybe, just maybe, we might learn to play this game like men. You're on the team. You don't get kicked off the team. As it relates to our unity, how do we experience unstoppable unity? Not just in our relationship with God, which is a critical cornerstone to borrow John's reference. That unconditional, uh, irrevocable relationship we have with Christ that we can't move outside of if you're in Christ because your name was written on the Lamb's book of life before the creation of the world. It's irrevocable. It doesn't change. How do we take that kind of relationship into our relationships with our spouses, our children, our coworkers, our neighbors? Here's the how. This is a non-negotiable relationship we have with people. And so the question is not if we're going to get along. The question is how. The question isn't if we're going to get along. The question is how. And I can tell you personally, I've had some challenging relationships in my work history and yet, I can tell you, I made a decision by God's grace to just love. And God got me through that and has made me better for those people and used me, I think, uh, in those relationships. The question isn't if we're going to get along. The question is how. 
what do I need to do to make certain this relationship continues? The church in Acts was experiencing some internal conflict that required this kind of commitment to one another, some internal cultural conflicts, as well as some external conflict, some lies that were being tossed towards the early church members. And I want you to see this text in Acts chapter 6. I want you to see the, the internal conflicts they were having and the external conflicts and see this commitment that the church had, this unconditional commitment that the church had to one another. And we understand as the church that we are, we're members of the church by the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul said this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And when he writes to the church at Rome, he actually says, you actually don't even belong to yourself. You belong to the church. Your, 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 your presence, your soul belongs to the church. Let's look at these conflicts. As we do, let me just ask, why is it important to, to pursue unity? I would say this, the real high value in pursuing unity is that our relationships in their natural state are moving towards disunity. We have to be active. We have to be intentional about relationships. In fact, there are social studies that have proven that if you want to maintain healthy relationships with anyone, you need to connect with those persons once a week. It needs to be weekly. If it's not, your relationship will move towards entropy uh, and, and a, a lack of trust. We don't want that. We want to be always asking, how do we get along? How do we move forward together? Just like Christ does in our life. Here's the text on unstoppable unity, Acts chapter 6. Kind of a lengthy one. I'm going to make a few commentaries, commentary notes as we go through it. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews... This is a reference to those Jews who've been spread throughout the Roman Empire and have been greatly influenced by Greek culture. They spoke Greek alone, uh, maybe a little Hebrew and Aramaic, but not like this other group. The Hellenistic Jews among them started complaining against the Hebraic Jews. Uh, these were the uh, hoity-toity Jews that spoke, uh, Greek, that spoke Hebrew and Aramaic. They had never left their homeland in Israel and uh, they were being treated with partiality, which we know is evil, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. The Jews actually excelled at this. The early Christians took it to the next level in caring for those in their golden years, especially those that were widowed. So the twelve, that's Jesus' disciples, gathered all the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God, in order to wait on tables. Their focus in teaching the word was a priority for their role in leadership. Brothers and sisters, choose seven. Choose seven from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit. Seven, the perfect number perhaps. Full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. That order is fascinating to me. Prayer and the ministry of the word. That was their focus. That's how, that was their strategic plan. Prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. All these believers, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, 
All these, interestingly, are Hellenistic or Greek names. The Spirit led them to select these guys. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The result? So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased dramatically, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So their teaching ministry multiplied, and more people came to know the Lord. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace. So now we're moving into a, uh, an external conflict. The first was internal, the cultural conflict between the Hellenistic and Hebraic Jews. Now an external conflict where Stephen, a man full of faith and grace and God's spirit, is going to get accused. He's, a false accusation is going to be leveled against him. A man full of God's grace and power performed great wonders and signs among the people. Very evident that the apostles who had the ability to, by touch or by prayer, to to do the miraculous right before you, that Stephen was a surrogate of one of those apostles. He was given the same ability. In my opinion, it didn't go beyond Stephen. It stopped at Stephen. Uh, But he had that same apostolic gift given to him by the apostles. Opposition arose. External conflict, however, from the members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia, which is Turkey and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. Interestingly, the community of Cilicia is in Turkey. It's presumed that this is where, this is where Paul the Apostle was from, and he's in this crowd. But they could not stand up against the wisdom of the spirit that the spirit gave him as he spoke. God's spirit gave this guy miraculous communication ability, just like he had Peter. Then they secretly persuaded some of the men to say, to lie. We have heard Stephen speak about, speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. That's the broad council of all the priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, etc. They produced false witnesses, sound like our culture, who testified, this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. They lied. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Look around in the room uh, with whom you're viewing this morning's message. Who looks like an angel this morning? Give him a little wink, just a little wink. So Stephen was being falsely accused of of, uh, speaking against God's temple, and he hadn't done that at all. He was being falsely accused, and there's this external conflict. There's an internal conflict that's threatening the unity of this early Christ movement, which was unstoppable. I want to just make one point as we continue. It's this, that there'll always be internal misunderstandings and conflict. Uh, In this case, it was caused by the partiality shown to Hebraic, I would call them kind of hoity-toity, uh, widows, uh, not that the widows were hoity-toity, but 
those that were serving them were showing partiality to them over the Hellenistic widows. There are always going to be challenges that we need to be attentive to, that we need to let the Holy Spirit lead us to address appropriately in a godly way. There will also be external conflicts. The devil will, will really use this method to try, to try to divide the church through accusations, through lies. I think it's important for you to know, if, if ever a leader is accused of something that's inappropriate, let me just say that the Apostle Paul teaches there should always be two witnesses. And so you always want to be careful of overreacting. The Apostle Paul knew this would happen and warned us in his letter to Timothy, always make certain there's two witnesses. Make certain that there's real validity to any sort of accusation. How do we experience unstoppable unity? The kind that says, hey, the question is not if we're going to get along. The question's how. How do we do that? The first that we see happening in the early account of the church is that unstoppable unity grows disciples. Grows disciples. Interesting to me that these early Christians are called disciples. To be a disciple meant to be a student, to be a follower. The number of these disciples was increasing dramatically. A disciple is a student. And no doubt, when these disciples gathered around the apostles and the other leaders, they were profoundly inspired by the incredible depth of knowledge that Peter and John and James were teaching. It was an incredible opportunity to hear God's word. I pray we never lose that. The early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching and to circling up in fellowship. Boy, I think our, mutual, our individual devotion to God's word, our mutual and individual devotion to being together, circling up together, will protect us from the partiality uh, that was threatening the church, will protect us from false accusations, will really help us grow as disciples and pursue unity, asking the question, how can we get along? Here at Adventure, we've identified a few marks of what we consider those who call Adventure home. We think they're very much in line with what it means to be a disciple and a Christ follower. Here's what they are. As I read them, I wonder if you might identify one where you could grow more in your faith. Here they are. Follow willingly. And when we say follow willingly, we mean follow the Spirit in the Word of God willingly. (laughs) Do you have a moment every day where you open the Word and let the Spirit speak to you? Love unconditionally. That means how do we get along, not if. Give generously. Has, Has giving been an area where you've been unwilling to give God complete trust? Maybe today you start. Pray constantly. That's our strategy. Share your faith regularly. Share your Jesus story regularly and serve passionately. And I just got to say this week, I've been amazed by all the adventurers who are serving passionately. Folks that honestly, we we couldn't afford to hire. They're they're so gifted and yet they're moving the ball forward for us in a dramatic way. How do you move? How do you grow disciples? How do you grow disciples? I would say it's, it's this important, all-important discipline. It's circling up. It's circling up with brothers and sisters, studying the word together, circling up and praying together. Over the weekend, we're starting to practice circling up. We're so excited about our upcoming first and ongoing Sunday morning outdoor service starting next Sunday, September 27th at 10 30 a.m. 
And I'm so grateful for Paul Kokomer and his uh, skill set, his the wisdom God's given him, to help us uh, using a special software to map out our parking lot so we can have a very safe experience for our adventure family here on campus. Thank you, Paul. Services will start next weekend. Be looking on our Facebook page for opportunities to sign up for uh, to make a reservation for your space. There's going to be some 10-foot circles and some 6-foot circles, just kind of like going to a a table, a dining room uh, outside where you would pick a table that fits for your family. So excited. Be looking for notes on this matter. If you're going to grow as a disciple, you've got to circle up. Around God's Word, you've got to circle up in fellowship and let the Spirit speak with you. Be anticipating your adventure group leaders to follow up with you and start circling up here soon. On campus, uh, throughout the week, where we can right now, uh, enjoy circling up together. The first, the first step for unstoppable unity is growing as a disciple, a student, a follower of Christ. The second is this. It's attacking the problem, not each other. Attack the problem, not each other. It's, it's like you got to remove your own emotion from the situation and attack the problem, not each other. This is what they did. They saw that the Hellenistic Jews viewed themselves as having been overlooked. And so the the apostles, the 12, they identified some men who would, in whom they would turn this responsibility over. Uh, they tackled the problem. They didn't ignore it. It's so important that we uh, attack the problem, not the person. Heard a story this week about a couple that was celebrating, had just celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary. 60 years. Can you imagine that? That sounds awesome. I hope Melissa and I get to do that. This couple was celebrating 60 years of marriage. And shortly thereafter, um, the bride started experiencing a terminal illness and was on her deathbed. Sorry about that downer, but she was on her deathbed. And uh, they, this couple had a mutual agreement that uh, the husband would never open this shoebox, this very special shoebox that they had. And uh, so he agreed. Well, as she was starting to pass, he, he said, hey, could, could we open the shoebox? We've had it for 60 years, no doubt. These were from an old pair of Converse uh, high tops. And uh, they, she agreed. So they opened the shoebox. And in the shoebox, he found two dolls, two crocheted dolls and $25,000. And he asked his wife, okay, <laughs> what's with the crochet dolls? and the $25,000. And she said, well, honey, before we got married, my mom told me to, to not argue. And he agreed. He said, well, we've only had a couple arguments in our whole marriage life all these six years. And the, the gal said, my mom and dad, they told me, don't argue. But when you get upset, you just, you take to crocheting and you crochet dolls. And so there were only two dolls in there. And he thought, wow, two dolls, that explains it. We only had two arguments. And then, and then he asked, well, what's with the $25,000? And uh, she looked at him. She said, oh, those are the hundreds of dolls that I sold over the years. Hold yourself together. Delay. All right, you got it? All right, turn to someone in the family room. They'll help you. <laughs> she attacked the problem. The pro she attacked the problem, not the person. She focused on what she could do to help, help 
answer the question, how do we get along, rather than attack the person and say, well, if we're going to be able to get along. That's the key there. And as a result, she crocheted a lot of dolls and made a lot of money. Here's what I want to say. I like the way Jason Kane talks about this in the context. He's a Bayside pastor. In the context of um, sometimes cultural, sometimes racial tension, it's this. Proximity leads to empathy, which leads to unity. And I think it can be very simply put. When you're having conflict with someone, don't leave. <laughs> don't leave. Stay close. How come? Because if you leave, God's going to send someone else the same, the same other per- kind of person to you. You think you're leaving, you're not. You're just going to another person just like them. Yeah. Don't leave. Hang in there. Be patient. And what I say is pray for those with whom you're struggling to get along. Don't leave. Let me ask. Would, would Christ leave you when you're tough to get along with? Does Christ say, like, I'm done with him. That's God. He's driving me nuts. Talks way too much. Yeah. Praise God he doesn't do that to me. He hangs in there with me. It's an irrevocable relationship. Or Matthew's messes up again. Oh, geez. No, he's not that way. Don't leave the relationship. Stay close. That's where the growth is. That's where the maturity is. That's where the joy is. And you'll get stronger and stronger and stronger, better at relationships. Unstoppable unity. What's the third? It's facing opposition with faith and wisdom. That's what the early church did. We live in a culture where there's a temptation right now to exercise a high level of faith, even boldness, without wisdom. There also could be a temptation to be overly wise and not have any faith. It's both. And these leaders exercise both. Let me show you how. Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power. I told you he was given miraculous ability by the apostles. So much so that even his accusers could not stand up to the wisdom that the Spirit gave him. God's Spirit gave him wisdom. This wasn't referencing necessarily his education. This is, not, this is referencing how the Holy Spirit was using all of Stephen's life experience to bring wisdom to the, uh, the synagogue of the freedmen, those who were actually accusing him of blasphemy. He used all of his resources by the Holy Spirit. And let me just say this. It is amazing what God can do through you when you yield completely to His Spirit. He takes all of your experience, all your education, all your pedagogy, all your ancestry, all your lineage, and puts it together in a package where He can make some real noise for Himself. I thought it would be fun to show you this picture of Paul. Uh, He worked yesterday uh, on our parking lot, getting us ready for our new service. And when I saw Paul, I was like, he's got the face like an angel. Paul, thanks for your work yesterday. Stephen was the same way. He, Stephen had a face that was like that of an angel, a man that was really in love with God and wanted to be used by God, full of God's spirit. How are we, how are we going to face opposition? How are we going to face maybe circumstances like the ones we have been where we're having to exercise faith, but also wisdom, both. We're we're having to exercise boldness, but also discernment. You'll want to do both. You don't want to do one or the other. This is how we do it at Adventure. We pray constantly that the Holy Spirit will lead and give direction. We follow the Spirit willingly in God's Word. 
We may think God's Spirit is speaking to us in a way, but it's always going to be subject and under the authority of God's Word. We love unconditionally. That means we ask the question, how do we get along, not if we're going to get along. And we serve passionately. That means we try to always be on and serving our Lord. Let me just ask you this morning, are you in a relationship where you're saying if? Are you in a context where you're saying if? How are you saying if? I wonder if God's Spirit's prompting you to say, you know what? You need to stop saying if. You need to stop saying if. You need to start saying how. You need to start finding some dolls to crochet. You need to start opening God's Word and let Him show you how. Being in fellowship again, circling up and letting God show you how. I had a chance just last night to visit with my future daughter-in-law, Amy Peterson, and hear about her trips to Cuba. And she was telling me that when she went to Cuba to meet the, the, the churches in Cuba, that she was amazed by how paranoid the Cuban Christians were about discussing their, um, their government in public. There is no freedom of speech there. She indicated that not only is there a lack of um, freedom of speech, there's a lack of Bibles. People are super, super poor there. And yet, the church is thriving. The church is excited. They're hungry. They want to know God more deeply. Folks, I want to challenge you. During this season of bewilderment that we're all in, could we be like the, the Christians in Cuba that are hungry and passionate to grow deeper in God's Word, hungry and passionate to circle up in groups could we make it our number one desire to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves? Could we be the Christians that don't say, hey, if we can get along? Can we be the kind of Christians that say, no matter what happens this fall, the question is, how do we get along? That's the kind of faith that this early church had. It helped them deal with internal cultural conflict and external, external lies. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, won't you help us? Won't you help us to ask how? How? How are we going to get along? Protect our hearts from saying if. Help us have more faith, more wisdom to know how we're going to go forward. If you're here and you've never experienced an unconditional relationship where you knew someone was just in for your best all the time. I'm telling you, that relationship is with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's an unchanging, non-negotiable relationship once you've placed your trust in the cross. If you haven't, why not right now? Why not right now just say, God, I'm ready to start a new relationship with you. One that doesn't change, one that's solid, one that I can trust based on your crucifixion for my sins and your resurrection. If that's your prayer, I hope you'll let me know this morning. Amen. Let me know. Check the, the little icon on your screen that says, I raised my hand. I know you didn't raise your hand, but check it. It'll let me know you prayed with me to receive Christ. Otherwise, I hope to see you next weekend at our 1030 outdoor service where we're going to come together and circle up safely. We're going to share God's word, worship, and love each other. Have a great week.